Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on Patreon, without any ads, or elsewhere in our main feed. My name is Kenny, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin and Finn. We're into the summer now, you know, the, it's, it's late nights of, of, of it being light outside, the disposition's better, it's a nice time of year. Well it is Kenny, yes, very nice, very nice, yes, very nice and very busy. For those of us who cover the pro wrestling game. Well, we, yeah, because we, we were actually talking about, uh, we, we recorded uh, an Insurrection 2003 review for Patreon that goes up later this week. And one of the things we were talking about was the difference in, you know, 2003 wrestling to today. And it's like, if you look at just the summer of what is going on this this year, with WWE, with AEW, with all the stuff going on in the UK and America, it's just night and day from what, from when you were in the trenches, Finn, twenty years ago, having to to deal with what was being flung at you. So yeah, well, it was more just trying to put a magazine together each month that people might be interested in buying. You know? yeah. that was the struggle because, I mean, it was a tough time. You know, they were ha- having great difficulty WWE creating new stars. They were resorting to using a lot of old timers, which they'd been doing for a while. And, you know, there's a lot of people injured, like Kurt Angle was still injured. And 
it just felt very difficult. Each issue was a real struggle. And um, yeah, I remember Insurrection 2003 coincided with issue 108 of Power Slam, which to me was one of the worst issues, definitely the worst issue I put out in 2003 and possibly the worst issue that I put out in a few years. And that wasn't because I didn't try. That wasn't because I phoned it in. I never did that. It was just, it was very little happening. Yeah. And it was just a really kind of stagnant time for the business. It just felt like things were standing still and not moving forward, uh, which is in great contrast to what's happening in June of 2023. Yeah, for sure. But uh, there's loads There's loads going on in 2023. For us to talk about, I mean, this week is just a packed week of stuff. We've obviously got SmackDown, Collision and Ross to talk about today. So let's just dive in then to last Friday's SmackDown. Obviously, the main event segment is the biggie that we will give uh, coverage to. But before that, a couple other things on the show from Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, we had the gauntlet match to determine who would face Sammy and Kevin Owens at uh, Money in the Bank. And that was won by Pretty Deadly in the end, who beat the Brawling Brutes in the end to become the number one contenders. We got a promo back and forth with, with, with Pretty Deadly, you need to say. And Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens post-match. What did you make of the the match, the outcome, and the potential title match? Um, I'm I'm not a fan of gauntlet matches, especially ones that pass this quickly. I think they just bury almost everyone who's involved. Um, I mean, it started off with Street Profits versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland. I thought Sheamus and Holland won far too quickly. I mean, what a talking about contrasts. What a contrast for the Street Profits. They were riding high this time last year, and now they're doing nothing, which is, you know, a terrible shame. Um, So, yeah, Seamus and Holland beat the Profits pretty quickly. and They then defeated um, Cal Anderson and Luke Gallows. They then defeated the LWO. Seamus and Holland then, (laughs) then defeated Hit Row in under... 10 seconds and that led them to pretty deadly who scored what I think most would consider to be an upset over Seamus and Holland and it was Elton Prince who pinned Seamus and then as you said afterwards Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens came out they'd been watching the match on a um, monitor backstage they came out and expressed surprise that deadly had won and this is going to lead to a tag team title match from the O2 in London on June 30th Um, so, I mean, yeah, big win for Pretty Deadly. And I'm glad they won. Um, but it was a shame to see the Street Profits in particular do the job so quickly. And, you know, I think the same applied to the LWO. I just felt like they were really just jobbed out. So, yeah, not a big fan of these matches, Kenny. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they're not they're not memorable matches, really, because, like you said, they're, they're so short. I mean, there was a, there was a match last year... Uh, I think I'm sure there was a, a gauntlet match on Raw that Seth Rollins maybe won in the last year or two that went like an hour, and that was really good because it went so long and everybody in it kind of got time. But yeah, when you do 20 minutes, I mean, it, you know, it's fine to beat a hit roll in 10 seconds, but yeah. with everybody else, you kind of want to give them a fighting chance. But I, I am happy with the outcome. I think Pretty Deadly are a good team to put in there. It's a good test for them to... You know, I don't think Andy thinks they're going to win the titles, but you know they're going to be in a big match in the UK where they're from. 
So it'll be interesting to see if they can hang with Kevin and Sammy. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm and I thought they did well in the promo. I thought they they did well, kind of having their comedy stuff and Kevin Owens bouncing off of it. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by the match. Looking forward to seeing it. Um, yeah, I am as well. I mean, I agree with you. It's um, inconceivable that Kevin and Sammy will lose the belts, but I'm sure they'll give pretty deadly a hell of a match before they beat them, and that's really all that matters. Um, quite mentioned too, we did have Zelina Vega defeating EO Sky when Bailey's uh, distraction backfired. So Bailey and Sky were arguing, um, and then next week on the show, Bailey. I mean, I. I dread to think, Finn. But next week, on this week's SmackDown, sorry, this Friday, Bailey is putting her money in the bank, uh, position on the line against Shotzi. And the <laughs> fear, the fear is that if they're continuing this storyline of dissension, if EO Sky's help backfires, it means that we're going to have to see Shotzi in this ladder match, which none of us want. No, I don't think Shotzi wants to be in the match either. Um, I think, I mean, I'm convinced that Io Sky is going to win the Money in the Bank ladder match and it will come down to her and Bailey, And Io will win, there'll be a big bust up and then that'll lead to the split and it'll be Io Sky versus Bailey at SummerSlam, which will be, could actually be a really good match. And it's a match that Bailey needs as much as Io Sky because as we've discussed Many times on this podcast, Kenny, Bailey has dropped off a cliff. I mean, she needs something to turn things around and to get people interested in her again because, yeah, it's just everything's just going in the wrong direction for Bailey. But yeah, what happened was EO Sky and Bailey were arguing backstage because Bailey had essentially cost EO the match. Then Shotzi rocked up, challenged Bailey to put her money in the bank spot on the line in a match. And EO Sky said she agrees. So then that only just fueled the tension, intensified, escalated the tension between EO Sky and Bailey because Bailey was upset that EO Sky had volunteered her to have this match with Shotzi. But I, I, you can rest easy, Kenny. You know, take it from me. Bailey's retaining that slot because they're not dumb enough to put Shotzi in another one of these matches. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you, and I'm going to relax and hope that that is the case. Um, we elsewhere in SmackDown had the Grayson Waller effect with Charlotte Flair. She came out and, again, is just a fairly appalling babyface. She really is. I mean, it's all, it's all, sometimes I think she's borderline offensive in the way that it's like she thinks she doesn't need to try. It's like she just thinks that because she's a star that she's above it. And that really bothers me because I think there's so many women who don't have that luxury of being a big star who they've put so much behind. And yeah, it just annoys me. But I, I actually thought Bianca Belair, who ended up coming out here, um, did a really good job of kind of coming at Bianca uh, coming at Charlotte Flair, and you know Charlotte was talking before how she picked herself back up fourteen times after she'd lost, and Bianca said, "Well, you know, let's let's put some respect on my name because I've not had to lose fourteen times. I've had to, you know, I've had a long title reign. Put some respect on that, and kind of gave gave Charlotte a bit back. So I actually thought Bianca came across really well here. It's two weeks in a row where I think she's done a really good job, and yeah, I just." Why is Charlotte not bringing it more? Why is she not bringing the fight? It just 
feels like the performances of her doing promos feel like the whole thing's just kind of beneath her showing any, you know, enthusiasm. What did you yeah, think? Yeah, it, it was very odd because once again, it feel, this feels like some sort of cruel initiation for Grayson Waller. So the setup is, you know, his chat show. And he's, you can see he hasn't got that confidence yet on the main roster that he had in NXT. And that's perfectly understandable. And I'm, be, I'm a big fan of Waller, by the way. I just think he's tremendous. But Charlotte, Charlotte appeared and she, she said almost nothing. And it was like Waller's thinking, you could just say like, what you could tell that he was just thinking, what am I supposed to say next? You know, she's supposed to speak now. I'm sure she is. Is she going to say something? And she said barely anything. And you're right. She just acted like she was above it all. And this was completely beneath her. And it was up to Bianca Belair um, to save the day. And she did. She came out and she complained about Charlotte cutting in line. And I've got to say, at this point, Charlotte did turn it up and she did respond. She did reciprocate. And I think she did meet Bianca on her level. And it was as if Charlotte just thought, well, who's this kid from NXT? You know, why am I having to appear on his show? That was, you know, the the message or the sentiments that I thought she exuded. She was just oozing from every pore. Uh, But when Bianca turned up, it did feel like she, you know, came alive and was interested. And Bianca let it be known that she would challenge the winner of the Charlotte Flair Asuka match that's going to take place on June 30th on SmackDown from the O2 in London. So I'm keen to see what happens there. Will Bianca get involved in the match and cause a double DQ or a non-finish double count out and then there'll be a triple threat match and money in the bank? I think that's a distinct possibility. Yeah, I think so too. And I think part of the reason that the Charlotte thing is frustrating is because we know she can be good at this stuff. It's not like she's never been good at this stuff before, but yeah, she just, you know, fair play to Bianca though. You know, we've, we've kind of knocked Bianca's, you know, enthusiasm well, yeah. or, or I mean, the well, the stuff with Asuka was just simply not believable. Yeah. And we, you know, so we've, we've quite rightly kind of criticized that for when we were watching it, but you know, she's coming out here and she's, it's like she has a point to prove. And she's treating it with urgency. And yeah, I, I'm I'm really impressed by Bianca these last couple of weeks. So yeah, intrigued to see what they do. I mean, no. I'm hoping that I really hope this leads to the to the Bel Air heel turn, because she hasn't played that role yet on the main roster. In fact, I'm not has she ever played that role in anywhere in WWE? I'm not sure if she has. I don't think she has. But I mean if because if she if she was to somehow I think I suggested this a few weeks ago, if she was somehow to 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 lose the triple threat match, um, and in a way that you know somebody she was pinned because of somebody else shafting her kind of thing that could be the impetus to her turning heel. So that could be the catalyst. The catalyst. There we go. The wordsmith has given me the word I needed. Um, so yeah, B- Bianca did very well here. Um, I do want to make quick mention. This is not very good, but. They did this mixed tag with AJ Styles and Mishin against Karrion Cross and Scarlett. It goes two minutes and 44 seconds and Karrion Cross pins AJ Styles and it kind of came out of nowhere and it was a match under three minutes. This was very strange. This was the guy who pushed Seth Rollins to the limits in the <laughs> world title tournament final and Night of Champions just 
what's that? Three less than three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, or three weeks ago. Yeah. And so, just very odd. Yeah. I mean, Styles hit the um, he hit the Styles clash on Cross, and like no one kicks kicks out that move. And I thought, oh, Cross is done for. As if Cross is going to kick out of the Styles Clash like no one does. And then Scarlett distracted AJ, and then they engaged in a conversation. And uh, Styles said some something rather unpleasant to Scarlett, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, did you catch that as well, Kenny? I did. I did. I'm not going to repeat it, but I did. <laughs> you know, for a God fearing man, that was a rather. F- a rather unpleasant comment that AJ said yeah. about Scarlet. It, it, it was actually very, very, very funny the way that he did it because they, if you didn't watch it, essentially she is trying to come on to him because yeah. you know she, she's going to try and distract him, and he just says, "I'm married, bitch," <laughs> to her, which is like you say because he's a Christian, it's quite funny because you just wouldn't expect him to say it. But no, yeah, I mean, I just I don't know, I, you know, and. If Karrion Cross gets a win over AJ Styles, which I'm not saying I'm looking to see happen because Karrion Cross is useless, but in a match under three minutes, like you say, because he just took Seth Rollins to the limit, who wins out of this? It kind of feels like everybody's just kind of nobody's any further forward, and you've kind of put a dent in AJ that didn't really need to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was just baffled by the whole thing. So then Scarlett distracted AJ, and then Cross scored the win. I couldn't believe it. Um, I mean, I thought Scarlett did fairly well in the match. I mean, Mishin's not very good. So I think if she was put in there with somebody better, like a, maybe, you know, an Eel Sky or someone like that, I mean, I'm not sure if she's going to go down that road or they're going to go down that road with her where she's going to have matches on her own and longer matches. I'd be curious to see what she could do. I mean, she's been do- doing this for a long time. But I mean, yeah, very odd. Very odd result. Very odd. I don't know what they achieved here. Yeah, not much. Uh, but of course, the big story of the show was going to be what Jay Uso was going to do. And we had, you know, we saw at the beginning of the show, uh, Roman Reigns solo and Paul Heyman arrive. Um, and then later on, we had Paul Heyman, uh, you know, asking Roman if he spoke to Jay Uso. And he's like, I'm, I'm the tribal chief. I don't reach out to him. They wouldn't, if he's the tribal chief, then people can reach out to him. Um, and you know, he basically told Heyman to go and speak to Jay. So Heyman goes to speak to Jay uh, to find out where his head's at. Um, and of course, Jay reiterates that, you know, remember, if I'm in, you're out. And Heyman was very nervous about that. Um, which took us to the main event segment. So rather than me kind of explain everything that happened, um, obviously this was the big segment where Jay had to make his decision. And he did make his decision siding with Jimmy rather than Roman. Uh, what Was this moment worthy of all the hype that we've kind of had to get up to this point? Talk me through your thoughts on the, the main event segment. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, there was Roman, Solo and Paul Heyman in the ring. They were joined by Jay. Uh, Reigns asked if Jay was in or out. Uh, Jay said that it was him or it was Heyman. And then Reigns said that Heyman's... My wise man, you know, when you become the tribal chief, you can choose your own wise man. So that was non-negotiable. Heyman would not be fired. Um, Reigns then changed tack and said, listen, we've been grooming you for three years. You know, you're going to be the next tribal chief. You are or were the right, you are the right hand man. Um, Then Jimmy rocked up 
And Ren said there was only one person who objected to you being main event Jay Uso. And that, Uso, that was that was Jimmy. And so Jay said to Jimmy, is that right? And Jimmy agreed. Yeah, I, I did resent you. You know, I did. I was envious. Um, Ren said that Jimmy was basically holding Jay back. And, um, you know, you know, so that was it. And Jay appeared to be, I mean, it was a classic sort of ruse. You knew what was coming, really. I mean, we've known what's coming for weeks, haven't we? Let's be honest. Um, so Jay then started ranting at Jimmy. You know, he was furious with Jimmy. It appeared that he was going to side with Reigns and Solo and Heyman. And instead, Jay just turned and nailed Reigns with his perfect super kick. Just like, like a flash, lightning, quick, pow. You know, Reigns went down. Solo couldn't believe it. Paul Heyman was stunned. You know, Jimmy and Jay then teamed up and they double kicked, uh, double super kicked Solo. And then in the end, as Reigns was, you know, ranting like a madman, Jimmy and Jay lamped him with a nut with a double super kick as well. And Reigns sold it like he was completely KO'd. He just didn't move. So to me, it was handled just about perfectly, Kenny. I mean, maybe it could have been slightly longer, but did it, you know, did it need to be? I don't think there was anything else they needed to say. I think they said everything they needed to say, you know, and got to the punchline, you know, the super kick line, you know, about the right speed. But I thought those super kicks looked beautiful and we know where we're going. They announced it on Raw, didn't they? The main event of Money in the Bank, Kenny. It's going to be Jimmy and Jay. Versus Reigns and Solo, as predicted. As predicted, yeah. They actually announced it over the weekend on social media first. Um, the Bloodline Civil War. Uh, yeah, I thought the segment was perfect. I thought that, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, if it had gone longer, would they have added kind of unnecessary stuff, which would have made us kind of critique it a bit more. So I think they kind of went with the, the safe option. And yeah, I think Jay was great here. The, you know, him kind of... Uh, you know, because when I, I love the way that the bloodline were trying to make it, you know, Jimmy didn't didn't want you to be in the position you were in, and then then Jay kind of talking about how you all the history with him and Jimmy, and Jimmy being the prom king, and him always kind of having to to work his way up, leading us right down the garden path till we got the tease of you're out and I'm out too, and then the super kick to Reigns, the double super kick later, uh, yeah, it was just great. It sets up everything we need. And uh, I mean, that match in London is going to be electric. It's going to be huge uh, when they, when those four guys get in the ring. Um, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be very exciting. So top marks for the segment and uh, overall a pretty easy SmackDown to watch. And Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought so as well. And the thing I like about this tag match is genuinely we don't know who's going to win. No. It could go either way. Could go either way. But we'll be covering it here on the podcast. I mean, um, I've, got, I've got to believe Jimmy and Jay are going to win because that'll then lead to SummerSlam. But yeah. I could be wrong about that one. But you know, that's the you know, there's it's not a foregone conclusion, is it? Who wins that match? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, I think it's, it's, you know, you could kind of talk yourself in and out of both options if you wanted. You um, can, and, and just to, you know, go back to what we were saying earlier, this was our complaint about Insurrection 2003. I mean, the results were just so predictable, weren't they? Yeah, and you know, you look at you look at Money in the Bank as an example of just how far we've come from Insurrection 2003. You know, you've got one of the top five pay-per-views of the year. You've got big stars. You've got matches that are going to be a hundred percent. They're going to have an effect on the storylines that are happening, and you know, we might even see a title change. So, way more than we would have got twenty years ago. Um. Let's talk about AEW Collision next. Finley, uh, Tony Khan did announce the day before that uh, Elton John is all elite because they've uh, signed the rights to Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. So that was the opening theme song. And um, so we well, see. This, this is where the money is now, isn't it? In music, because, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure Elton John's not struggling, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I was reading something on Spotify about Spotify or one of the streaming services the other day. and people complaining that songs have been streamed like fantastic number of times and the pay had been like minuscule. But I mean, if you have a song that's used in a car ad or a film or week to week, you know, every week on a TV show, that's a, that's, that's where the money is now, you know, apart from of course touring, you know. But you know, and, and, and I think it's a great song to have for the show. Like it's a, you know, everybody knows it. It's very well known. It fits with the kind of theme, you know, because that's one one of the things that I would like to see WWE do differently is I think the theme songs for Raw and SmackDown are pretty bad. They don't really get you hyped up for what the show's going to be. I'm not saying they should be, you know, going going to the 80s and finding the Eurythmics or anything, but, like, you know, it'd be good if they found something a bit more uplifting and, you know, get you more excited for the show. Um so we open with Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. We've got the commentary team of Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness. JR was only there for the main event due to a fall where he uh, had a black eye. Um, he did not sound great in the main event, so he is taking some time off. Were you surprised to see Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness as the broadcast team? And what did you? how did they do it? Um, no, I wasn't. I mean, I was hoping Nigel McGuinness would get the gig. I think that's a really good choice. I mean, Kevin Kelly, I think's you know, very professional. And uh, I thought they, I, I, to be honest with you, Kenny, I haven't watched all the collision. I watched quite a lot of it, but not all mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I, from what I heard of their commentary performance, I thought they, they meshed, they gelled together very well. And I'm sure they'll build upon that. I think they're both very professional. And it, I thought it was the right decision to have a different team because we hear enough of Excalibur on uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, you know, Dynamite and Rampage. We don't need him on Saturdays as well. Um, yeah, for for sure. Um, I, I I thought they were good. I liked them as a team. 
uh, and it, it it makes it feel different from the Wednesday show, which I think is important. Um, yes. So of course, the open to the show was what it had to be. It was CM Punk making his return, cult of personality blaring through the speakers. He comes out with um, his kind of long johns on with a hoodie on top with a t-shirt. Um, and then he kind of had the like the Roddy Piper 1985 Panther t-shirt, but instead it's Larry the Dog on the, the t-shirt instead. Um, that, that's the name. Is that the name of his dog? Yes, Larry, Larry the Dog, who was also involved in the All Out thing as well. So. Oh, yeah, the All Out Brawl. The I, mean, out brawl. Was, I believe he was the difference maker, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, I think he was. I think we Larry was the difference maker. Um, he had a pair of boots around his neck. So he comes out, does this promo. Um, talks about how he's tired of being nice. Um, this is a professional wrestling business. It's a business for grown-ups, not a popularity contest, because he obviously would not win that, he said. Talks about how much he loves the fans. Um, is you know, if fifteen-year-old him could have thought he would sell out venues like the United Center or Madison Square Garden, he wouldn't have believed the person. And then the line that everyone has talked about is he said that David Zaslov, who is the Warner Brothers Discovery CEO, calls him one Bill Phil because he's the genuine article in a business full of counterfeit bucks. Um, there was fuck the elite chance. Um. And then he had a red bag, which had which what we assume is the AEW world title that he had. Um, yes, and he, and he said, you know, I have this belt because I not because I deserved it, but because I earned it, not because I was in the best dog collar match, but because I won the best dog collar match, and uh, it belongs to me until someone can pin me or submit me for it. Said he's not, uh, you know, some people want him to hang the boots up, but he's not going to do it until someone takes it from him, and. Uh, he said, "Tell me when I'm telling lies." And looked into the that camera. was the recurring. That was the theme of the promo, wasn't it? Tell me when I'm telling lies. Yeah, tell me when I'm telling lies. And then he finally said to the camera, "We had held the bag up. What's in the bag, Max?" So that was the final line. Uh, what did you think of the promo? How was it for a return? Talk me through your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, he sounded like he was trying to. I mean, you have to assume that this. And the interview with ESPN was all approved, rubber stamped in advance by Tony Khan. Now, that's what we have to assume. It might not have been. Well, it has come out that the the counterfeit box line was definitely approved, 100%. Okay. So, so it's, I think you've got to assume that everything he said would have been approved or there would be... Because we should mention the Young Bucks actually updated their Twitter bio right after the promo and said... If this was 2018, we would be selling a counterfeit box T-shirt and pro wrestling tees with like laughing emojis. So, I I guess they're in on it because they must have, you know. Otherwise, you know, I think they would have probably throw the toys at the pram by now if they, if they didn't. Uh, so yeah, you assume they they would know. Yeah, I mean, I would think so. So I mean, it was very intense. It was very believable, and it felt like everything he said was came from the heart, and that's how he does promos, isn't it? It's, it's the method, Kenny. It's, you know, it's the method promo. Mm-hmm. So surely I must have used that phrase before in, in the magazine in the back in the day, the method promo, the promo that comes from the heart. So it did feel very authentic, you know, um, but it also it felt like he was trying to antagonise almost everyone. Now, I assume that this is his new character and that this has all been you know, approved in advance, you know, greenlit. It's all 
prearranged and we're not going to have a repeat of what happened last summer and September 4th last year as well. So um, if that's the case, then great, we can enjoy it. I mean, as he was saying it, I was thinking, oh, no, where's this going? You know, what's the point? You know, what's the purpose of this? Is it to, you know, upset people in the locker room and cause more grievance and bile and aggro backstage? And I don't think it was. It was just for him to... I don't know whether to really reset his character because it's not that dissimilar from what he was doing last year. It's basically the same, only with a a, a nod to or an acknowledgement of what did happen last year, which I don't think they're really going to talk about that much more on the air. But it obviously had to be acknowledged in his return promo, and it was, and I thought he did a really good job of doing that. So, yeah, I thought he set a lot of things up, Um Obviously, he wants a match with MJF, title versus title. Will that happen at All In? Maybe it will. That could well be the All In headliner, Kenny. It's a pretty big match, like it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty big match. And there's there's various ways you could go with how that how what the outcome is of that. So I feel that's yeah. probably the to me that's the biggest MJF match they've got. Um, yes. So. Yeah, I mean, oh, it, yeah, I, I thought yeah, I thought he came back swinging on the mic and. Um, yeah, I thought he did well. So, um, yeah, 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 really, yeah, really well done. And, um, it'd be interesting to see how people respond to him in other cities because it felt like the. I mean, I'm sure I detected some booze there. I mean, he's obviously got bridges to rebuild with some fans who don't like the way he handled himself last year, and we're going to take AEW side and we're going to take the elite side against CM Punk. So I think when he's not in Chicago, he may receive a frosty reception from the audience. I think that's going to happen. What do you think, Kenny? Yeah, I think I think it might be a struggle. I think I liked how he set up in the promo here. You know, you you know, boo me if you want, cheer me if you want. You know, I, I, he's he's not precious about it. This isn't Batista in two thousand and six. Well, Booth. well, let's wait and see how precious he is about it when people are booing him if they're well, not you- supposed to, because I think people are going to because he came across pretty arrogant in this promo referring him to himself as the king and you know it's like he's the greatest wrestler of all time that was the thrust of his promo um so i think that will have annoyed some people and let's just see how he responds when people are booing him out of the building when he's supposed to be a baby face yeah we'll, we'll see i mean we'll see this week what the reaction well i mean the reaction this week's also this week's in toronto so uh, we'll see how they react to it. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the main event in a second. I guess the two other big, the, the three other things on uh, Collision of Note is we did see Luchasaurus uh, defeat Wardlow for the TNT title uh, with help from Christian. And Christian used a camera from a ringside photographer uh, to hit him with it. I mean, obviously the crowd were very excited to see a title change, very happy to see a title change. Luchasaurus wins, but I mean, this is not good for Wardlow. No, no, you can say that again. Um, this is the third time he's lost that championship. Yeah, he lost it to Samoa Joe, lost it to Powerhouse Hobbs, and now Luchasaurus. Yeah. Um, just Did came com- completely from out of nowhere, the title loss. I mean, no one was ready for it. Did anyone really want Luchasaurus to defeat him? No. I don't I mean, know. It, it's, it the only thing... The only thing that, could, that I think would make sense of it is if the plan is to turn Wardlow heel. If the plan is, you know, we just don't think that we can get him up to where we want him to be again until we do the heel turn, 
then maybe this is a way to do it. But I mean, if he's remaining a baby face, I mean, God, you just got to hope Arn Anderson's not going to be there because you know he is a kiss of death. Um, as a as a as a manager, you know, you imagine you're a wrestler backstage, and they say, "Oh, we've got a, we've got an idea for you on TV," and you're like, "Great, what is it?" And then you just hear the words Arn Anderson, and the the color drains from your face because you know what's coming. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he does though. He still does promos like it's 1986. <laughs> he does. He does. It's like people think we're playing checkers, but we're playing chess. <laughs> I noticed actually a few weeks ago, Jeff Jarrett said the use the line. There's no I in team. I hadn't heard that one for decades. There's no I in team. There's a new one. It's a new one. Uh, that was a big one in the 80s. There's, there's no I in team. I used to use that in call centers about 15 years ago. That was the big thing. You know, there's no I in team, everybody. And then you'd get somebody going, yeah, but there isn't, Dick. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, the two, I guess the two big kind of people who were featured on the show... And a kind of reintroduction were Andrade and Miro. We had Andrade taking on Buddy Matthews. They had a hell of a match um, on the show that Andrade won. Um, that set up a feud with the House of Black and Andrade afterwards. Um, and then Miro uh, destroyed Tony Nice. So yeah. they're two guys who have now been reintroduced. How do, how do you think they did in terms of bringing them into the mix? And do you see? You know, if they're handled correctly, do you see them being big names in AEW? Are they are they people that they should be putting the, the time behind? Um, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know at this point. Is the simple answer? I mean, Miro's done almost nothing. What's he had? Like three matches in the last year, something like that. Yeah, it's not a lot. About, about three. I mean, they did very little with him prior to that. I mean, Andrade. It's been. You know, all over the place with him. He was doing some good stuff, and then he wasn't. And they need—they both need consistency, and they need story arcs, and we need to believe that they're going somewhere. And at the moment, AEW needs to convince me they are before I'm going to put any emotional, you know, type of, you know, investment into them because the AEW's let us down really badly on these two guys. So I don't want to prejudge. Because maybe this time it will be different. I mean, I hope so. Because I just feel like Miro especially. I mean, how long is it now that he's been in AEW, Kenny? It's over two years. Is it coming up like two and a half years? Yes, I think. Yeah, I mean, there was that period last year where he was supposed to come back and he didn't want to lose the feud that he was going to be in. Um, You know, hopefully now, I mean, if they're on the same page, if Punk as we are led to believe, has got some sort of input on the show in terms of, you know, who who's getting pushed and stuff. If he, if Miro's someone who, you know, because I mean, I guess, I guess their paths wouldn't have really crossed in WWE because Miro was still in NXT. I remember Maybe. they were both in the 2014 Royal Rumble. So yeah, so they were both in one match. But, you know, you, you never know. Maybe they, maybe they got friendly backstage when they were both in AEW before. Um, but yeah, I think Miro's Miro is the what the the kind of the the more certain one. That I think you can definitely do a lot with and turn him into a big name. Andrade is obviously someone who doesn't speak great English, so you kind of have to work around that. But I, I think they, they did a solid job of getting both of them over on the show, and there wasn't a lot of storyline stuff on this episode. It felt they were kind of they were either reintroducing people 
or you know they were basically bringing people back and kind of going here's who these people are and yeah we're, we're meant to kind of an, an introduction almost so uh we'll see what they do this saturday um, yeah i mean i mean these two guys are really talented and they absolutely can contribute to aew but based on what they've done previously you know i'm not aew needs to convince me that it's in it for the long haul with Andrade and Miro. And I think that's a perfectly rational and prudent approach to take. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I thought the I thought the the tag match with Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue against Tony Storm and Ruby Soho was pretty decent. Uh, Tony Storm, I think, is doing better than I've ever seen her before. I think just as a character, she seems to have found a bit of a groove. So it was nice to see that. Um, and Willow and Sky Blue, I and mean, we had Sky Blue's mum in the crowd who was playing along with uh, her daughter getting beat up. Um, but then obviously the, the main event was what people were here to see. It was CM Punk and FTR taking on Samoa Joe, Jay White and Just Robinson. Um, they basically got the last half hour of the episode. Um, from what you saw, what did you think of uh, how did Punk look in the ring? Was this Did this do anything for Jay White and Just Robinson? What did you think? Um... I think everyone knew who was going to do the job from the moment that this match was announced. And sure enough, it was Juice Robinson, that zany guy. Um, he was pinned by Punk's Go to Sleep. Um, I think right after FTR, they just done the they just done their finisher prior to that, hadn't they? Yes. I think the Shadow Machine. Yes, Shadow Machine, that's it. So um I mean, yeah, it was, I thought it was a decent match. I thought Samoa Joe did well in there. He looked like he'd lost some weight. Um, I thought Jay White just seemed like he could have been anyone in there. I don't think Jay White was really enhanced by it. Um, obviously, this was the CM Punk show, and it was his big return match. Um, I thought he, I thought he did okay. I mean, he's been off since September last year. Um, he's got to get his groove back. I thought he moved pretty well. He didn't look like he blew up. I mean, most of what he did looked pretty good. It did seem like he was moving slower than he did last year. But, I mean, he has just returned, so let's give him a chance. Um, I thought FTR, it looked like they did most of the work to me, Kenny. Would you, do you think that's a fair review, fair yeah, assessment? Yeah, yeah I, think that's, I think that's a fair review, which I assume they would anyway, because, you know, you want to kind of, you don't want to you don't want to have punk. Just, you know, you're, you're dipping his toe back in and getting him back. Exactly. And, and as we talked, we talked about this Last week, week yeah. before, we were talking about this for weeks, and we said he should be used sparingly, and they should he should not overdo it because he needs to get back into ring shape, taking bumps. And I'm sure he's been training very hard, but I mean it's different when you're in the ring in front of a crowd and the pressure's on. So um, yeah, we we've said this loads before about how you know you can train and train and train and train and train, but until you're in there and you're doing it, that's when you're going to really see where you are. And I think he, I think Punk did Punk did well, um, but yeah, they definitely protected him, which was a smart move. Yeah, we absolutely was. So um, I thought the one they actually did get me with one of the in one moment in the match, the moment where FTR were being cut off by Juice and Jay White, and Samoa Joe had the Kokina clutch in on Punk, and they did for a second have me thinking, is he is he going to beat him? Just because of the intensity of the moment. So I thought that was a clever way to have that in there to get to just kind of get people off the obvious scent for a second. So. Um, but yeah, good main event, good first episode, I thought. So we'll see what happens this Saturday, which is... We, we still don't know what the rating for the show, because viewing, the viewing figures, I think, have been delayed. 
The one thing I've seen, and I don't know if this is a legit, I mean, it was basically a tweet that somebody had um, said that Andrew Zarian had said, who who has been pretty reputable in reporting things before, but I don't know if he said it. I can't find anywhere where he said it, but um, somebody had reported that he'd said that the overnights had shown 814,000 as a number, Okay, which would be a pretty good number for a Saturday night, but we, we should have the numbers tomorrow uh, so we can talk about them on Thursday on Power Slam. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a weird spot for this Saturday's collision show because obviously it's, I mean, it doesn't really matter that it's the night after Rampage, but I mean, it does matter that it's the night before Forbidden Door. So we'll see how that affects it, if any. Um, I guess, well, exactly. I mean, this is, you know, the Saturday show, they should be using that to promote the pay per view. I mean, that's the way it was. It's, it's supposed to work, isn't it? That's the way it's supposed to happen. That's the purpose of your TV show is to encourage people, you know, the undecided to say, yes, I'm buying that event because of this amazing angle or this incredible promo or, you know, this big, you know, brawl that's occurred between one or more people, uh, two or more people that are wrestling on the pay-per-view. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's what that's the purpose of the show. So, I mean, hopefully this Saturday's collision should feature lots of the people who are going to be on Forbidden Door the following night. Yeah. 100%. And I guess, I mean, maybe, maybe we'll see on Dynamite that maybe the way that they're going to build Collision is to have stuff happen on Dynamite that, you know, promote stuff on Collision, which is what they should do. Is you know, it's the same it's the same network pretty much. So, you know, if you have TNT, you have TBS in America. It's, it's not, I, I, I don't think it's possible to have one without the other. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, so, finally, let's talk about Raw from last night. So, there was some pretty newsworthy things. We did get the return of Tommaso Ciampa, who came out to uh, to answer to to answer the Miz, and he just lamped Miz straight away. Ended up defeating Miz in just under a four minute match, and he did say during the match, "I didn't get one text from this guy while he was off." So that's the, I guess, the initial explanation of him not being on the Miz's side anymore. But it was good to see Ciampa back with his old theme tune. So, um. I mean, we've got to imagine that the reuniting of DIY is is imminent. Yes, I would think so. I would think so. I can imagine that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens would be, you know, excited by the prospect of a match with those two. You know, I think that could be a huge match for Champa and Gargano. So we should mention that The Miz came out, Seth Rollins had walked to the ring and he was going to do an open challenge. He was going to defend the world title. Um, and before he could do so, Finn Balor attacked him, then beat him down again, and then beat him down again after agents pulled him off, producers pulled him off. Then they went backstage and Balor beat, beat Rollins down again. So there was no world championship defense by Rollins. And then The Miz came out and he said, I was going to challenge Seth Rollins. And he, he instead issued his own open challenge. And that was when Tommaso Ciampa made his surprise return and Miz thought that oh he's come out he's going to give me a big hug or we're going to team up or it's going to be like old times and instead Champa pummeled in and it led to the match I thought Champa uh, moved really well here um, he won with a fairy tale ending pinned the Miz one two three uh, Champa was very popular with the crowd so I imagined he was really heartened by the response and by you know, the speed at which he defeated the Miz. I mean, probably his biggest win to date, I would say, on the main roster. 
So um, certainly his most encouraging match on the main roster, Champers. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it seems that it feels like a already that this is going to be a better run for him than before. So yeah. And um, Logan Paul turned up, and as we expected, he announced that he had put in a call to the executives, and because he can, he is being entered into the Money in the Bank ladder match, and he would cash in and put some respect back in the city of Cleveland. Um, and take the title from whomever he wants, whenever he wants. Uh, that led, then led to basically all the participants of the Money in the Bank match coming out and kind of doing a promo battle, apart from Butch, who ended up just, you know, lamping Logan Paul. We had a big fight. Um, yeah. It was a pretty good segment, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Logan Paul at first sort of played babyface. Um, he said that, like, the best people in the world come from Cleveland, where the show was, of course, held. You know, then uh, then he turned on them by saying that, you know, the best thing about Cleveland was all the roads that took you to someplace else and said that you know, it was full of losers. But he was going to change all that by winning money in the bank. And then Ricochet and Nakamura and L.A. Knight and Santos Escobar and Butch came out and this big scrap occurred. And Logan Paul was the one who was left standing. You know, he laid people out, set up the stepladder, climbed the stepladder posed underneath the briefcase. And um, this led, this has led some to believe that Logan Paul is going to win this match. And if he does, there are going to be problems. You know, call the riot bands to the O2. Because if Logan Paul wins that match, I think people are going to be very, very upset. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's definitely between Logan Paul and Ellie Knight. Um, I think Paul's probably the favourite, I guess, now. At this point, but I, I really do hope it's early night. Um, the thing is, I mean, Paul's already faced Seth Rollins and lost, and he's faced he Roman Reigns and lost. So, you know, okay, he could win the briefcase, and that's a, a big mainstream media story for WWE, and it's big Twitter thing, and, you know, they like all that, you know, social media um, data, and, you know, when everyone's tweeting about them and posting about them. So I do get that Logan Paul would tick that box for WWE, but is there really going to be that much interest in Logan Paul versus Rollins or Reigns when we've just seen those matches? It's a fair, it's a fair point, especially given, like you say, he's he's faced the two people who've got the titles, um, which is just more reason for Alienate to win. Um, yes. Elsewhere on the show, we had uh, Trish Stratus managed to qualify for the Money in the Bank ladder match when Becky Lynch's uh, Becky Lynch's temper got the best of her because she ended up blasting uh, Trish because, to even the odds because Zoe Stark was there, um, obviously, on Trish's behalf. And Trish managed to qualify here. I'm very glad that Trish is in the match. And I actually think it sets up some pretty good stuff of maybe Raquel being annoyed by not being in this match could lead to her turning at some point soon. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this was the uh, the the, quali- the final uh, qualifying match for the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, Raquel uh, Rodriguez versus Trish Stratus. I mean, I've, I've got to say, Raquel really roughed uh, Trish Stratus up here with like a bear hug and just flung her to the mat, mm-hmm. hit her with this incredible clothesline. What a bump Trish took right on the back of the head. I mean, she took a beating here. It was me like four or five weeks ago saying Trish is just passing through. She's a part-timer. She's phoning it in. She's not making the effort. 
I mean, she's put me in my place, hasn't she? I thought she really did here with this performance. So, yeah, Zoe Stark interfered from the outside. Unfortunately, she screwed up the outside interference spot on uh, Raquel. That looked really dodgy. Then Becky Lynch ran out and beat up Stark at ringside. And then when Stratus got involved, um, Lynch uh, nailed Stratus as well. So that meant that Raquel was disqualified and Trish qualified for the match. So I thought it was a really clever ending. I thought Becky Lynch sold it brilliantly. She seemed genuinely surprised that she calls the DQ and seemed genuinely remorseful that she cost Raquel the match. And Raquel seemed genuinely miffed that Lynch had, you know, cost her this appearance at Money in the Bank. So I thought this moved a lot of stories along. Um, I don't think Becky is going to win. I don't think Trish will win the briefcase either. Um, But this match at Money in the Bank will set up presumably their feuding feud ending match at SummerSlam, I would think. So that's its purpose. And I think fans in the UK will be really pleased to, t- to see Trish Stratus at Money in the Bank. I mean, she was obviously an Attitude Era star and she's got, you know, the reputation and she's putting in some good work now as well, Kenny. So um, I think this is a win-win for, for everyone. And as you said, hopefully this will be the catalyst. There's that word again. For Raquel Rodriguez um, turning heel. We should mention also that there was a confrontation backstage between Raquel and Rhea Ripley. So it seemed like they were setting that match up. Yeah, because Rhea Ripley demolished Natalia again. So she's, she's you know, needs a challenge and Raquel might be the challenge for now. I mean, um, poor Natalia. I mean, she was backstage doing another live interview <laughs> and she was asked, you know, how are you coping, Natalia, after that? devastating loss to Rhea at Night of Champions. And Natalia admitted that it had rocked her to her very core and she now needed to prove that she still belonged. And what did Natalia do? She went to the ring, high-fiving the fans, not paying attention, smiling away, and Rhea Ripley clobbered her from behind again. And what a pasting Rhea inflicted upon Natalia. They didn't even have a match. No. I mean, how long has Natalia been doing this for, Kenny? And she just allowed herself to be ambushed again. Yeah, and you've got Corey Graves on commentary kind of going, nobody's more respected and has had a, bit, a bigger career than Natalia. And you're like, uh, but she, she can't, can't, can't beat anybody, can't do anything. So, yeah, <laughs> all a bit pointless. Um, we did have a, a funny promo backstage with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Because the, basically they were they were going to be Cody Rhodes' partners to take on Judgment Day in the main event. Kevin and Sammy were getting interviewed by Byron Saxton. Of course, he asked the bloodline, and Sammy said, "You know, Kevin, you've got you're a rageaholic. You've got anger issues." To which Kevin Owens just screams, "Why?" And um, they make an agreement where if Kevin Owens can manage to not blow up for the rest of the night, Sammy will never bring it up again. But if Kevin Owens does, then he has to admit that he's got a problem. Um, and then the main event of Cody. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against the Judgment Day. And this was so hot in the arena. The crowd were just into everything that they were doing. Everybody was over. This was a great main event. It was indeed. I mean, it was, I mean, it was, I didn't really think that it would, I thought it would just be an okay match. You know, maybe it would be a good match, but I didn't, wasn't really expecting too much from it. And um, it was just white hot by the finish. And there was just like all these false finishes and 
Dominic Mysterio was just all over the place in it and he was fleeing from Cody and Dominic Mysterio is just so funny. I mean, he's he's still not very good, but he's good enough and he's like so over as a heel that it doesn't matter. And everything he touches, he's got the Midas, he's got the Midas touch as Dominic yeah. Mysterio. Yeah. And he was just so good here, just running away from everyone. And, you know, when the um, somebody was beaten down, he'd then take advantage of their vulnerability. And I thought, like, everyone had a great match here. And um, it was a shame that it was Damien Priest who had to do the job. But obviously, it was Cody Rhodes who pinned Priest after a, a Cody cutter. But obviously, Cody couldn't defeat Dominic Mysterio because they're wrestling at Money in the Bank. Balor couldn't do the job because he's wrestling Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank. And um, so it really had to be Priest. And uh, they wanted a babyface win here, which made sense. And it was so hot. And just, yeah, it was, it was, this is just really one of those moments where, you know, you it's all about getting the characters and the personality. Wrestling's all about personalities. When personality, when wrestling works, it's because the personalities are over. And everyone in this match was over. And like, and they can all, well, Dominic's not that great, but he gets by. But the other five were all like really good in the ring. So, and they gave it plenty of time. The audience were with it from start to finish. I thought it was so well laid out and executed. It was, um, you know, I'm not saying it was a classic match, but as far as a TV match goes, this was the best TV match I've seen in a while. Uh, really well done. Yeah, really good stuff. And, um... I mean, that's that's the main stuff from Raw that I wanted to bring up, unless there's anything else that you wanted to give a quick mention to before we go. About the only other thing that's worth mentioning is that Rollins took the beating and then Bron Breaker, who's wrestling Rollins at NXT Gold Rush tonight, mm -hmm. he uh, made an appearance. And at this point, it wasn't confirmed if Rollins would be cleared to wrestle at NXT. So, you know, Bron said, you know, he... he he was hoping that Rollins wasn't going to make any excuses. He wanted his title match. And then Seth Rollins appeared supposedly at the local hospital or maybe a medical facility. Mm -hmm. um, and he said that he would, he confirmed that he would defend the uh, the world title against Braun Breaker on a NXT tonight. So, I mean, I guess that was the only other thing. I'm fascinated to see how that match is going to play out because Rollins can't lose. But, I mean, Braun Breaker... It's clear that he's going to be called up to the main roster soon. So why exactly would you want to job him out to Seth Rollins when as soon as Breaker reaches the main roster, you know they've got grand plans for him. So I'm not quite sure how this is going to play out, this Rollins versus Breaker match. And it's possible that Finn Balor will run in and it will be a DQ finish. I would think yeah. that would be the most likely outcome. Yeah, and I think that would, that would be good because it would protect you know, Braun Breaker, and it kind of gives, it gives you, I mean, it's a TV match, so you don't really need to give a full uh, decisive victory for someone. So I think that would be a good way to have Balor turn up and sort of cost Rollins the match. Um, but yeah, a pretty pretty fun episode of Raw. I mean, we were kind of spoiled this past these past few days with a lot of big stuff, you know, from the Punk return to the JSO turn, turn to, you know, Trish on Raw who's becoming a highlight of the show. Who knew that she, yeah. would, be, that she would be becoming that? And like you, yeah, when she was getting ra in in Scotland, you would say getting ragdolled, which just means oh yeah, yeah, she was selling so well from Raquel, and I thought Raquel Rodriguez had a hell of a match here as well. And she yeah. seemed different. She seemed like she was wrestling with more of a purpose. 
And it's as if they've told her, you know, fun times over, Raquel, this is your trajectory now. This is where we're going to take you. And we're, you know, we're attaching the rocket to you and we're going to make you a start. You're going to be facing Rio at SummerSlam. We're going to really push you. You're not winning the belt, okay, but you're going to have a hell of a match and you're going to be given 15 minutes. And we think this is going to be a, you know, a big turning point for you in your career. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Stratus versus Raquel. I thought that was really well done, that Money in the Bank qualifier with the Becky Lynch running. And I just thought it was so well played, so well handled, so well laid out and so well executed. Uh, well, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. We will be back on Thursday uh, to talk about anything big that happens on Dynamite, to talk about the rating for Collision. We'll have news to talk about. We'll talk about the Seth Rollins-Braun Breaker match, which we'll both have watched by then. I'll make a point of making sure to watch it tomorrow in time. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what sort of number that draws as well for NXT. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, lots to talk about when we come back on Thursday. We've also got some questions to do for Q&A as well. Uh, so plenty to discuss. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Inside the Rose Magazine, you can obviously go to the InsideTheRoseMagazine.com website, pick up uh, an issue. You can uh, subscribe and uh, yeah, we look forward. Also, the next issue is coming out next Thursday, June 29th. Seth Rollins on the cover, the World's Heavyweight Champion. So do go check that out. I mean, wouldn't it be upsetting, Kenny, if Seth Rollins were to lose that belt to Brom Breaker tonight? Wouldn't that be upsetting? I think there's more chance of Shotzi winning money in the bank. <laughs> So I think we're I think, okay. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and also Patreon is the best way where you can support us, get these podcasts ad-free, get an overrun from us. We did the retro podcasts. We reviewed Insurrection 2003, the last UK pay-per-view. I think it's, it's really worth a listen because, especially if you were a fan back then, we really go into UK pay-per-views and why they declined and uh, the kind of state of WWE in 2003. I thought we got, we got into a really good discussion about that. So I would recommend checking that out that'll be going up on thursday so yes yes so yeah thank you very much for listening for all your support everybody and we'll talk to you soon Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.